0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You've probably heard that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But it's better than that. Jesus tells parables so that you would know what is real. Because if this story that Jesus tells is real, it means that you're in it. It's about the kingdom of heaven. So if you want to be in that kingdom, you'd better listen. But before we get too carried away, I should probably warn you. Sinners don't care much for reality. They prefer to live in the world of imagination, of ideals and ideas, where God is always nice, and nobody ever gets hurt, but the God of the Bible isn't like that. He is the unquenchable fire that burns against sin, and it's no difficulty for him to destroy all those who despise his word. Meeting this kind of God is a fearful proposition indeed. But as we go on today, and you find where you fit into this story, it is also your Lord's intention that you come to see what your God does for you, that he is the great giver who has come to save you, to invite you to his feast. So here, if I may, is a... Working title for today's text Heaven is like a king who gave a wedding feast. The invitations go out, and you know how it goes. Not everyone you invite to your wedding will come. And maybe their excuses seem a little flimsy, but you figure it will save some expense at the reception. But who in their right mind refuses the invitation of the king? Fear of the king ought to compel obedience. But some are unafraid. They want the king to know that they despise him. So they scribble a note on the back of the letter, maybe something rude like, Let's go, Brandon. Mark returned the sender on the front and toss it back in the mail. So the wedding hall is empty. In that case, then, I think our working title needs to be updated. Heaven is like a king who gave a wedding feast, but no one came. But worse than a lame party, Jesus is saying that his father has announced his son's death to pay for the world's sin. And yet heaven remains empty. For although man knew God, he didn't honor him or give him thanks. There is no fear of God before his eyes, no love of God in his heart. He does not trust that the king is good. So no one... Not even one wanted to come. Yet the king that Jesus describes isn't like you or me. He's not even like other kings. He is persistent beyond all reason. He insists that his feast will be given. But instead of a second invitation in the mail... Be it known that the king invites you to the wedding feast of his son. All is prepared, everything is provided. Come with me. No, no, I can't go with you. I've I've got a farm, a business. I can't take time away. Besides, don't you know that the big game is on tonight? Maybe next time. Others aren't so polite. They beat the messengers, treat them spitefully, and kill them, sending the servant's blood back to the king as their angry RSVP. They don't believe that God is king, that he has authority, or that there's any threat in insulting him. So finally, the king's patience is exhausted, Summoning his troops, destroying the murderers, he burned their city. This too is about the kingdom of heaven. For all those who reject the Lord God as king, who despise his word of invitation to heaven, who want nothing to do with him, they will meet their destruction. They will gain the eternity without God that they desire. So seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. For the day of his invitation will not be forever. Thus heaven is like a king who sent his troops to kill murderers and burn their city. But Jesus has more to say to us. The king's banquet hall is still empty not just a few empty seats, the entire invite list refused. But this king is so utterly committed to having his wedding banquet that he will not permit his banquet hall to remain anything less than full. So he sends out his servants yet again. Their message is the same, but now they are to go anywhere and everywhere, Inviting, compelling even anyone and everyone to come in, come to the feast. This is what your God does. He is no respecter of persons. He invites all, even the ones that you left off the invite list the first time around, even your crazy uncle that nobody likes, even your racist cousin. He invites the ones that you'd want to keep out, the drug addict and the one who watches porn. He invites both bad and good, the upstanding citizen and the one wondering if it's possible to make it through another day. His invitation through his messengers sounds like this. Go and make disciples, preaching repentance, and the forgiveness of sins. He invites the last and the lonely, the lost and the least. He invites the weary and heavy laden. And this is where you fit into the text. And so finally, then, the wedding hall is filled with guests. And it's time we updated our title again. Heaven is like a king who gave a feast, full of good and bad guests. Kind of strange, really. The ones first invited to the king's table weren't worthy, but now he has invited the bad along with the good. So, how can the bad be worthy to sit at the king's table? The king. He will make it so. He invites everyone because he himself will make them worthy to sit at his table for he will baptize and teach them. He will clothe them with his son's own righteousness and instruct them in all that is necessary. So when they finally enter the wedding hall, this ragtag group of invitees now look just like sons and daughters of the king, for so they are. At long last... The wedding hall is filled with guests ready to celebrate the King's joy. This is how it is in heaven. There is feasting and music and dancing and festivities. All rejoice with the King and of his feast and his kingdom there will be no end. Heaven is like a king who gave a feast where you get to celebrate the King's joy. Now, this seems like the perfect place for the story to end. And yet, Jesus has more. Because just when you're finally sitting down to eat, you hear the trumpet sound, and the king comes in, greeting all his guests. But suddenly, he stops. Something is out of place. A man without a wedding garment. What is to be done with this man? My dear sir, where is your wedding garment? But the man is speechless. Guards, seize him, tie him up, throw him outside, and lock the doors. No one without my garment will be permitted in my feast. Many are called, but few are chosen." The silence is deafening. Then come the whispers. Some thought the king was a little mad. His reaction seemed over the top. Others sat in fear. Weddings are supposed to be a time of joy. But how can you possibly rejoice when you've just witnessed that? And yet, still others understood why the man had been removed, and they confessed the king's word is good. But the frightening reality is this, heaven is like a king who kicked someone out of his feast. Heaven is like a king who tied up one of his guests and threw him into hell. Some thought God was completely arbitrary, electing some for salvation and others for damnation. Others sat quietly, picking at their food, wondering if they would be permitted to stay. Still others understood that it was necessary. They knew that the king so loved the world that everyone who believes in the king's goodness will come to the feast But those who despise the feast, who believe falsely about the king, if they come to the feast, they will be thrown out. Even if someone is invited, if he rejects the king's word, he is removed. This is also an image of the final judgment. Only those who are there by faith are received into heaven. Only those who wear the garment of Christ, his righteousness, his perfection, his teaching, will be permitted to stay. The feast is only for those who believe in Jesus, who look to him alone for salvation, who confess that everything that Jesus says is true. And the one who comes showing that he believes falsely about Jesus will be cast into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The one who comes relying on his own unbelief will receive only judgment. This is a hard teaching. Who can understand it? This is a hard saying. Who can bear it? And what promise is there to the one who wonders whether he might be cast out? He sees that his faith is weak, that he has stained and soiled his baptismal garment. He sees others excluded and wonders if he could be next. Am I truly a Christian? Repent, dearly beloved in Christ. Your doubt is sin. Take your eyes off of your own faith and look to the one who gives you such faith. See that he has done all that is necessary for you. See that his word and his work are never incomplete. You know that the feast that Jesus sets before you here is the very feast of heaven. This feast is the coming of God's kingdom. So you pray that this kingdom would come to you also. That's why you come to church that you might be where God's gracious kingdom is. You want to be in the place where he is inviting to his feast, where the invitation is proclaimed to all. In this place, God declares that his salvation is for anyone and everyone. To all, the Lord's called messenger proclaims, God has invited you to his son's wedding. The Lord this day, even now, is sending out his invitation to you, and he will provide everything that's necessary. So in a way, the entire divine service is a rehearsal for the wedding feast of heaven. In this place, you hear that God has done everything for your salvation. But then we still have this difficult teaching at the end of the text. We know from the first part that not everyone goes to heaven. But by the end, it's worse. Not everyone who goes to church goes to heaven. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, enters the Lord's kingdom. So if this is to be the place where the Lord's kingdom is, If we are here receiving a foretaste of the heavenly banquet, then what our congregation does ought to reflect this reality. And so, first of all, as we said, the universal call goes out. There is still room. God is inviting you to his wedding feast. This is a great and precious promise. But to everyone who rejects this universal call the ones who refuse to come, to believe, to come to church, to these we proclaim God's coming judgment in the hope that they might repent before it is too late. So also even to those who come to church, if they insist on relying on their own reason or their own goodness instead of God's word, they also must hear the Lord's word of judgment. For the Lord in this parable is supremely welcoming, and yet one of his guests gets thrown out. So this is also why we do not admit anyone and everyone to the Lord's altar here. Only those who receive the Lord's baptism and teaching by faith are worthy and well-prepared. And so anyone who despises the Lord's clear teaching who presumes to feast on Christ in this life apart from faith? He will not feast with Jesus in eternity. That's why we don't commune those that we don't know, those who are not yet instructed, or those who commune according to another confession. Because, like God in heaven, we want you to come in the confession and glad confidence of the unity that we have in Christ, to rely on the king's word and his generosity alone. To do the opposite would present a false view of God and of heaven. Now if you scoff at the king's word and his generosity, you aren't going to like this story. If you refuse to see that the king is in fact good, you will see only an evil tyrant. But, if you see that this is the king who has given you all good things, then this story is very happy indeed. Therefore, we welcome anyone and everyone to heaven, and then prepare them to be welcomed at the Lord's wedding feast, when he finally returns. For you are called and invited. For thus says the Lord, See, I have prepared my dinner. Christ, your Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Everything is ready. Repent and come, keeping the feast in sincerity and truth. All is now ready. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.